God is good. God is good. How's everybody doing? We didn't, we didn't do the meet and greet today. We skipped out on the meet and greet. You know, shake a hand, hug a neck, say bless you all. Turn around to somebody next to you. You don't have to get up now. But uh, turn to somebody next to you. Shake, shake somebody's hand. Give somebody a hug. Smile at somebody. God is good. Jesus Christ is Lord. The church is the greatest principality in the universe. We need God's presence more than anything. Say all that as you smile at people. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's, it's, it's really my pleasure to introduce Michael. Brother Michael Koulianos is, is a friend. Uh, he's a man of God. I just recently myself have, have uh, had the opportunity to get to know him. Uh, I think we initially, earlier this year, spoke on the phone several times, and we were introduced through another friend, a mutual friend, and most of you guys who are regulars here know already, Eric Gilmore, a good friend, and, and then I actually got to meet him recently during the Jesus Culture Conference. Jeff and I, uh, Jeff, I think he's downstairs, Jeff and I got to sit down with him and to meet him, and I was so blessed, uh, for one, I had already, you know, gotten some, uh, you know, a chance to get to know him just through the phone and whatnot, but just the presence of God on his life, the meekness, the humility, the love for Jesus, the first things first mentality, um, the burning passion to love him and to know him, and, and, the, and more than anything else, the tangible reality of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's, it's really a privilege to have a minister to us today, and I want to welcome you guys even right now to come back and to invite a friend later on this evening at 6 p.m. We're going to have another service here at 6 p.m. Um, Brother Michael um, is, is um, Benny Hinn's son-in-law, married his eldest, I think it's his eldest daughter, Jessica. I traveled under him for years, I've worked with him for years. Now, just I would the last couple of years, is it? Uh, about a year and a half now, they, God is, has, has called them out to do something uh, for him, both in the States and across the world, and they have a ministry called Jesus Image. I want to encourage you as well, there's a book table in the back. Uh, he, he has authored a book called The Jesus Book. It's a powerful book, $15. There's, there's a place back there. You can make it out to Jesus Image. There's an envelope back there um, to get a book. I encourage you to pick one up. and uh, Give the money to Fr- Frankie. will be in the back. Uh, Frankie can collect the money. It's a, great, it's, it's a great book. It's a powerful book. I know we have one at home. My wife's read it. She's already passed out a couple of copies to some friends. It's, it's taking a look at Jesus. And once Michael grabs the microphone, you'll understand what I mean by that. That's, that's his heart, just Jesus. And so please come back in the evening. Please grab a book. It's, it's, it's powerful. And uh, let me see if I'm forgetting anything that I, that I meant to say. One more thing. At the end, please don't leave. Michael's going to pray for you. Michael wants to make it, uh, just make it available. He wants to see God move. We want to see God move. We, we want God to move more than anything else. We want to see his face. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason we gather. That's the reason we go home. That's the reason we go to work. That's the reason we eat food. Everything is unto the glory of God. That's the purpose there, period. Jesus Christ is Lord. We need him. And so we want a fresh touch from God. So please, whatever need you might have, stay, stick around at the end. I'm going to take an offering from Michael at the end, and he does want to lay hands on you. So anyways, without further ado, Brother Michael, please, uh, please come. It's our privilege and our honor. Could I have you jump on the keys, please, just for a moment? Would you all stand? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, the young lady, the vocalist, who the Lord touched, um, could just play, uh, just play anything you like right now, if you would. Just fix our hearts on Jesus. Just begin to talk to Him and love Him. Jesus, You're wonderful. You're perfect and majestic and holy, righteous, pure. And you're here. You're here. You are here. We know that and we love you. We turn our hearts towards you. Now, in the name of Jesus, be magnified this morning. Be magnified this morning, Lord. Blind us with your glory, your presence, so that we can only see you. We love you. We're grateful for the blood. We're grateful for the cross. We're grateful for your pierced hands and your your pierced side, your pierced feet, Lord, and your wounded brow, your beard that was plucked. We magnify you. We honor you. We're a thankful people this morning, Lord. We're thankful. We're thankful that you would become flesh and dwell among us. We're grateful. Just lift your hands to him, would you? Slip your hands to Him. Just begin to love on Him. Thank Him for the most simple of things. Thank You, Lord. Thank You for food. Thank You for the clothing on our back. Thank You for loving us, for looking our way, for resting our hearts, Lord. For seeking us. For seeking us every day. For coming to us every moment of Every day, you are our reward, Lord. We magnify you. We magnify you. I just want you to softly sing, break every chain. Just sing that softly. Holy Spirit, come now. Come now and move. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Let us hear you today.
Lord, hear our love this morning. Hear our hearts beat. Let our words match our heart and let our heart match our words this morning, Lord. Jesus, we glorify you. We honor you. We welcome you here. The great guest, Lord, you're in control now. So I get out of the way and trust you. Speak, Holy Ghost. Speak to us. Lead us and reveal Jesus like you promised to. You do so well. You do it perfectly. You reveal him perfectly. And only you can do it. So we love you so much. Just tell him that you love him. Just tell him you love him. Just tell him you love him. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We look to you. We look to you. We look to you. We look at you. Captivate us. seats, please. What a privilege to be with the Lord. What a privilege to be with the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew eighteen twenty that if two or three gather in his name that he promises to be there. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Is that a wonderful promise? And uh Not only does he promise to be there, but even in the midst of us. It just gets better and better. It's as if Jesus is not satisfied with just being here, but he desires to be in the midst of us and literally rub shoulders with us. It's proximity that he desires. And so what he's saying there is if you'll gather in my name, and that's really key. Um, And I'm not preaching yet. I'm going to thank everyone in a moment, but I promised Jesus, if he would let me preach the gospel, that I would always welcome him and honor him first. Uh, I believe that's very important. Uh, Jesus doesn't just desire to be here, but even in the midst of us. It just reveals his heart to me, that his desire is to be so close to us that we literally walk hand in hand with Him, shoulder to shoulder with Him. It's the magnificent, relentless side of the Lord that is almost too lofty to even, even ponder that God desires me and you. So this is really the high privilege of the church is that if we gather in His name, and that's really key, we don't gather in the name of Michael or Abundant Life or, or Dave, but we gather in the name of Jesus And so as long as we have an awareness of the Son of God as we gather, He promises to be with us, even in the midst of us. So it's that awareness that is key. May there come a day that every time we walk through the doors of the house of God, that that we realize we're coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're gathering with Him, and that we've come for that reason and that reason alone. You know, the Bible says this, He who comes to God must believe that He is. 
you know, I've stopped using the word prayer and started calling it coming to God. Every time you feel an urge in the morning, might be 4, 4.30, 3.30 in the morning, you might feel an urge to pray, but what you're actually feeling is an urge to be with God. And that's God luring you. And that's what it takes to be aware of Him. And as we're aware of Him, we come in His name. There's really the difference between one man who says, God bless you, and another who says, God bless you. One blessing sticks, another one seems empty and dry. It's the man who is aware of the one whom he brings the blessing from. The blessing sticks. That awareness we need. It's that awareness of the Son of God that changes the life. So, Master, I pray now that today we'd be more aware of you than ever. And that we'd hear your voice, Lord. That our hearts would unite with yours. That you'd do great things today for your name's sake and your name's sake alone. Not mine, not anyone's, but yours, Lord. Do wonders, I pray, this morning and tonight. Heal the sick. Break the hand of the devil on many, I pray. In Jesus' name, loose minds who have been taken captive. All for your name's sake, Jesus. God's people said, if you believe what I prayed, God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Can we just do that? Because He's wonderful. So wonderful. I'd like to thank, first of all, Pastor Steve for allowing me to be here. I'm sad that he couldn't make it. I believe the Lord's touching him right now as we prayed for him. That God will bring strength to him. Something tried to get on me last night. Uh, I was supposed to meet with Dave and we didn't have a chance, but... I went to bed and I woke up feeling wonderful this morning. So I believe God will do the same for, for Pastor Steve. I'd like to thank Dave for being such a, first of all, a man of God. Just a real man of the Spirit. And that's what we need today. Men that walk with Jesus and begin to look like Him. Men whose eyes radiate the glory of God. And that's what we need. So Dave, thanks man. Thanks for being my friend. Thank you for working so diligently. Uh, as just a lover of Jesus, and secondly, uh, for God's people. It's a real privilege, and I'm, I'm honored to know you. I got to meet Jeff uh, during the Jesus Culture event, and I uh, got to hear his heart. And we actually all went up to my hotel room and just prayed. Uh, I thought we were going to have an upper room experience there after about an hour, but it's a privilege. Jeff, thank you so much, man, for reaching out. And I want to thank all of you for allowing me to preach the gospel. I believe God has something very, very special for this city. In 2004, I was up here with my father-in-law and was preaching at another church uh, in Munster, Indiana. And uh, we took a ride to downtown Chicago. And uh, I just started walking the streets and walked into a cathedral. It looked a bit like this. And I just asked the Lord... To use my life, number one. And then secondly, I asked him that maybe one day he'd use me here uh, in this city. So I'm honored to be here. Um, This is a real answer to prayer that I'm just able to preach the gospel here. I sense the fires of God in the air. I really do. I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I've learned this about the Lord, that if we can just get his attention, uh, he looks our way. And when he looks our way, things happen. You know, there's a wonderful passage uh, in the story of, the, of blind Bartimaeus. Uh, 
He's crying out for Jesus, but then the disciples say, now he's calling for you, blind Bartimaeus. It's such a high privilege when Jesus finally looks your way and begins to call on you. I believe Jesus is calling on this body here, on this city. It's like you guys have almost captured the attention of the Lord. Now, we always have his attention. But my friend likes to say this, God loves everyone, but he likes some people. And I, I, I just, I pray that, that, that our lives... Uh, and I'm, I'm not even in the text yet. I just want to prophetically release something. I felt this this morning. I'll pray that our lives uh, would become pure enough by gazing at Jesus that He would feel comfortable enough to hang out with us. Um, everyone loves the presence of the Lord, but the question is, does the Lord love our presence? Why, why did Peter's shadow heal the sick? Because Jesus felt comfortable walking with him. It wasn't so much Peter's shadow. It was that God was in that shadow with Peter. And it's that proximity. It's that comfort that we need Jesus to feel. To literally take his abode and make his home in us. There's a side of Jesus that is very slow. Hear me. Very, very slow to jump into deep intimacy with us. Do you remember that passage in the book of John? That he knew what was in the hearts of men. So he didn't draw many to him. Because he knows what man is like. He knows our inner details. He knows what we're about. He knows our motives. I've been praying over the last four months. Jesus, make me a child again. Make me simple again. I need brainwashing. I want, to, I want everything about me to be erased. It's not childlike. Make me pure. Because I want Jesus to feel comfortable. To reveal himself to me. 24 hours a day. That's the key. Is Jesus comfortable with our lives? And I believe this. That, that I, I believe in my heart that Jesus is coming back soon. I know we've heard that all our lives. And I've never been one to run around saying that. But this morning it just leapt within me. Because I'm seeing the Lord become... A, I pray the Holy Spirit will burn this into your heart because it could be misunderstood. But if the Spirit reveals it to you, all is well. Uh, when I proposed to my wife, I got down on my knees. And for a Greek guy who was raised where I grew up, you weren't trained to be vulnerable. The last thing a, a Greek guy in my neighborhood grew up doing was... Uh, Making himself uh, or feeling, allowing himself to feel exposed and vulnerable. When I married my wife, I knew I had to do that. And so I, I'll never forget going to her father and saying, uh, I'd like to marry Jessica. And uh, he just stared at me. And um, he thought, he said, well, that sounds wonderful. Ask me again. I love the sound of that. And I thought, ask you again. That's torture. That's hard enough to do it once. I'm not doing it again. So, uh. He said, sure. And then he said this. Well, I'll gather all the family and you can just ask her in front of everybody. I thought, oh my gosh. She won't go for that. So we went on a walk down the beach, my wife and I. And, um, and uh, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. Very, very strong. And I, 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 I took her to, to this seaside cliff. And I had this ring in my pocket that I, I saved up for. Actually, my aunt paid for half of it. And uh, 
It was, I mean, now that I've been to different places in the world, at the time I said, that's a huge diamond. Uh, but now I'm like, man, I felt like I bought her a little grain of sand, you know. But I was so excited to give it to her. And, but I knew there was coming a moment where I had to get on my knees. And I'll never forget sitting on this bench with her, thinking to myself, just do it. Come on, get it done, man. Go, let's go. And we talked about everything but, but engagement. I mean, I talked to her about the stupidest stuff. I mean, stuff that didn't matter because I was so afraid. And finally she goes, I want to go back home. So she gets up to walk back home. And I thought, you, what are you doing, man? You missed your moment. Just do it. And I looked down this path about uh, 100 yards down the way, and I saw another bench. And I thought, oh, Jesus, thank you. I get another shot. But she's going to think I'm crazy if I ask her to sit on that bench too on the way home. So we're walking home, and I said, I said uh, let's sit here. And she said, well, we just sat over there. I said, well, this, this is nice too. She said, well, it's the same view. So we sat on that one, and I got on my knees. And I'll never forget what she did. She just screamed. She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. She just screamed. And it was about a 10-second scream at about 11.30 at night. And I remember thinking, what is she going to say? It was the longest 10 seconds of my life. You see, as I wanted to engage my wife with hopes of marriage, I had to unveil myself and become vulnerable. The reason I, I believe Jesus is coming back soon... Not just because the, the, the nations are increasing in their awareness and the Middle East is really experiencing a great revival as millions are being swept into the kingdom. But I'm literally hearing the Son of God ask his body to please love him. It's as if he's pulling out all stops for the very end. You remember maybe you dated someone and when you knew they were going to leave you, you begged them to stay. When my grandmother died on her deathbed, I'll never forget her screaming at the top of her lungs, telling us she loved us. And I believe God leaves us with these prophetic utterances in the most desperate of hours. And I hear Jesus literally saying, will you love me? Now, that becomes much more beautiful when you understand who it is that is asking you to love him become so lofty and so ascended is his meekness. It's an absolute amazing, glorified pursuit that God would ask me to love him. God wants me. That amazes me. It should amaze all of us. God wants you. He loves you and he literally asks you to love him. In John 21, when Jesus restores Peter, uh, there's many theologies, and probably most of them are right, regarding this text. But Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And many say, well, he denied him three times publicly. Maybe he just wanted him to give him the opportunity to uh, pronounce his love three times publicly. And that, that's probably true. Or... Possibly, Jesus just wanted to hear it three times because he loves hearing it every time. Did you hear that? Possibly, Jesus just wanted to hear the words, I love you, from Peter. Could there be a side to God 
who yearns for our love. And if there is, which there is, to not give it to him is to strip him of Calvary's reward. Jesus died for us so that he might have us, so that we might have him. His reward is us. Specifically, our first love. The Father has chosen to reward the Son with you. You are who He is King over, and you are who He is Lord over. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It is you God desires. His gift is a people. And in Genesis 15, the Lord says, I am Abraham, your exceeding and great reward. His reward is us. Our reward is Him. And so it's us that Jesus desires. And I believe it's almost as if Jesus... He's peeling off, uh, becoming more humble, becoming more vulnerable in asking his bride to love him. Literally saying, will you marry me once again? And I believe he's calling us into the deepest of intimacies with him. It's his great desire. If you take your Bibles, please. Father, I pray now that the Holy Ghost would speak clearly. Tonight, I'll... Pray for the sick here. So if if you know anyone who's sick, or if you are sick, or you just want to see God move, come tonight. And possibly, we'll see what the Lord does this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the the key to life, but especially ministry, is surrendering to the Holy Spirit. This is the key. And uh, if you can learn to surrender to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you walk into a life of miracles. It just follows you. It's like walking into a river or a bubble of miracles. The key is to be led of the Spirit, and that's what we're going to do today. In Matthew 5, we have the Beatitudes here, who many call the greatest sermon ever preached. I often wonder if the church today knows more method, system on how this way to be double portionally anointed, this way to reap a harvest, this way to cast out devils, this way to be purpose driven. I wonder if we know more of the method than the greatest sermon ever preached. If so, we have fallen a great, great fall. If so, we've fallen a great, great fall. Verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him, and then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus opens the door to the kingdom with this quality And it's his desire that this quality be engrafted in our hearts, that we are poor in spirit. We must come to the place where we are utterly and totally 
dependent on the life of God. We must come to the place where our own abilities become null and void. And that the life of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy Spirit alone is the answer. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There must be an internal lack within us. We must come to the place where we can literally say, with an honest heart, and that is key. Not just say it, but we must come to the place where with an honest heart, that's why I prayed, may our words match our hearts this morning. With an honest heart where we say, Lord, I am poor in spirit without you. I, 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 I heard Eric... Uh, Gilmore has handed out uh, Mother Bessilea's book to, to some of you. My all for him. I took Eric to meet with the sisters. And one of the things that they always taught us was that the repentant sinner and Jesus go hand in hand. Why is that the case? It's because when you lay spiritually in a fetal position before God, realizing your absolute inability... You gain the attention of Jesus. He looks for a people who know beyond the shadow of a doubt that without Him they die. He looks for a preacher who knows that everything that comes out of his mouth, if it's not illuminated by the Spirit, he does nothing for the kingdom. He's looking for people who are dependent on Him for everything. Everything. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. What does that mean? The man who comes to God and admits his emptiness outside of God, that man now walks through the front door Of the kingdom of God, which is the king himself. What is the kingdom like? The kingdom is just like the king. That's what it's like. The personality of the king is the kingdom. Christ is the kingdom. Where he goes, the kingdom is established. Preaching the kingdom without the king is like gambling. God is not a lottery. That's why when Jesus came on the scene, he said, the kingdom is at hand. Why? Because he was at hand. He said, it's at hand. It's within reach because he was in reach. In other words, he said, I am the kingdom. I'm here and you can experience me if you're poor in spirit. It's not just first love. And I'm going to say this. this is, I, pray you, I, I pray you won't misunderstand this. It's only love. That he looks for. And out of that only love, that exclusive love, we love each other. And so it's that emptiness that attracts the Son of God or the King to come. And when he comes, everything changes. Everything changes. This was an old Lutheran church, right? I was preaching in a Lutheran church in Westport, Connecticut. And, 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 And 
before the service, there was a little girl with cancer. I was walking in. She had a stocking cap on. She couldn't have been more than 10 years old. Her skin was yellow, swollen. It broke my heart. You know, when you have kids, it just it does something to you when you see sick children. And Here's this little girl. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, today I will heal her. I thought, oh, Lord, uh, thank you for saying that to me. I can't wait to, to see what happens. So I started to preach in this Lutheran church. And I was looking for that girl the whole time, and she wasn't there. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, be quiet now. Stop preaching. And I thought to myself, but this is good, Lord. Don't you want to hear this? We think we amaze God at times. So funny. And uh, he said, stop talking. So I spoke for about another two minutes. He said, I said, stop talking. So I stopped. And right when I stopped talking, the ground shook in that church. I'm not exaggerating. The ground shook. The air shook. The walls shook. Everything shook. The Bible does not say in the book of Acts that the walls shook. We misquote that. It says the place where they prayed was shaken. When God comes in, even the air shakes. Scripture says he literally holds the winds in the fists of his hand. God comes in, that which we think is unshakable, he can shake it. I mean, the air shook. When that shaking took place, which I thought there was an earthquake, and I thought to myself, they don't have earthquakes in Connecticut. And the pastor's wife, this Lutheran lady, said, you feel that rumble? I thought, my God, what, what's happening? We're going to die? Right when the rumble took place, little Emma, this girl with cancer, happened to walk in the sanctuary from Children's Church. Stage 4 cancer. We brought her forward. We put our hands on her and we said this. Cancer die. Emma live. Cancer die. Emma live. Cancer die. Emma live. The next week, she went to Yale Medical. She was dying. They didn't find a trace of cancer in her body. Not a trace of cancer in her body. She got up the next Sunday to testify. And the glory of God filled the place. And the people could barely, they were totally gripped with the fear and the glory of the Lord. When we recognize our poverty for everything, God can then come in. But we have to release Every system and method outside the life of Jesus. Surrender is the key. Now in John 15, if you just quickly turn there. In John 15. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Underline that, please, if, if you haven't already. Without me you can do nothing. What does nothing mean? It means nothing. 
It really means nothing. I can't breathe without it. I can't open my eyes in the morning without him. I can't pray without him. I can't turn my head without him. I can't sing without him. I can't love my wife without him. I can't take care of my children. I can't read the scripture. I can't desire. I can't dream. I, there's nothing I can do without Jesus. It's that revelation that will change your life. Without me, you can do nothing. Say that. I can do nothing without Jesus. Nothing. I'm the vine and you are the branches. My aunts and uncles would always grow grapes. Their houses where I grew up. And I remember running through the little areas. And every time I hold a cluster of grapes, I think of John 15. He's the vine. He's that center flow of the cluster. And spewing out from the vine are these little branches that are you and I. Some are plugged directly into the vine and other branches are plugged into branches that are plugged into the vine. As for me, I desire to be plugged directly into the vine. That's my heart. I don't have to depend on another branch for my intimacy with God. I say, Jesus, always just make me a branch that will plug straight into you. I don't want to live through you. I love that about John the Baptist, that he was a voice in the desert, not an echo. It's important. We have a connection with Jesus personally. And out of that connection, out of being this branch, the life of God flows through us and bears much fruit. The key is being grafted in. The key is staying in what Jesus meant when he said to come unto him. He meant come and stay. Come and stay. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, I love this about Bethany, that village. It says this about Jesus. And he lodged there. Jesus, make that, make your lodging in us again. I pray all the time, make my heart a Bethany. And he lodged there. I can't shake. I cannot shake those words. They haunt me at night. And he lodged there. What is it about a life that causes him to lodge there? It's a life that screams, without you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. Now, if you clip a branch off the vine, and there's fruit on it, it might bear fruit once, and then it dies. Those are lives that have no longevity in the spirit. They bear fruit sporadically or bear fruit at one time in their lives. That fruit falls and rots to the ground. But the branch that breeds consistent fruit is the branch that would rather die than lose its connection to the vine. That's what Jesus wants. Dependency. Utter dependency. 
Years ago, I had a family drive from Nashville, Tennessee to Tampa, Florida to throw their four-year-old child in my arms who had a tumor the size of a tennis ball in his brain and backed up and said, pray to your God. You know what that's like? Knowing you couldn't remove that tumor on your best day? You see these parents, last hope, God's servants become their last resort and they drive 15 hours and throw their dying child in your arms. What do you do in that moment but say, without you, I can do nothing. And the stakes are high. The trap is to become satisfied with our nothingness. Because many do much without Him and they do nothing. But they're okay with the nothingness. If somehow you can be thankful for Jesus, but never satisfied for the bread of life, you want more and more and more. If you can find that balance, Become absolutely disgusted with your nothingness. This baby lays in my arms. I begin to cry. Because I could just see my little four-year-old. And as I was crying over the Lord, over the baby, I heard the Lord say, I'm happy you're compassionate, but do your job. Do your job now. And destroy this tumor. The Bible says this about Jesus. That he's altogether lovely. What's that mean? The loveliness of Jesus is revealed in his altogetherness. His altogetherness reveals his loveliness. It's his completion that makes him so lovely. It's this wholeness, so we call it holiness, without lack. You see one side of Jesus, and you, you fall in love with him. You meet him as Savior. And you just fall in love with him. Oh, cleanse me of my sin. And you love him. And then you're sick, and he heals you, and you find him as healer. And you love him a little more. And then you need the power of the Holy Ghost on your life to live this life. For him, and he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, and you meet him as baptizer, and you love him a little more. And then you're lonely, and you find this intimate friend. And then you suffer in your life, and you're amazed to see that Jesus still suffers today in his heart. And you find this suffering Savior drawing close to you, and you meet him in that way, and you love him a little more. It's this altogetherness, this completion. He's so well knit that makes him so lovely. And as I'm holding this baby, I'm holding this precious little baby. I could hear the Lord say, go from lover to warrior now and kill this thing. I was amazed. The Holy Spirit taught me that. The Bible says he wages a righteous war. It's a side of Jesus that is incredibly violent, strong, like a lion. Why do you think he has a staff in his hand at the shepherd? So he can break the teeth 
of this wolf that comes to destroy us. And we prayed over that baby. I think the next day or so, the parents called and they said, this tumor is shrinking. I thought, oh my God. The power of God shrunk this tumor. The key is dependency. The key is every time you wake up in the morning, you say, I cannot do this without you. But, 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 but hear me. But with you, all things are possible. Without him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do anything. It's the with that is the issue. It's the with. Either I'm without or with him. But to be with him, I must dread the thought of being without him. I'm telling you, there's a place in Jesus. There's a place in the Lord. Where such a hunger will erupt in your soul. Matthew 5 Two verses later says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger attracts him. Thirst attracts him. How do I get thirsty? You stay close enough to the fire where your heart sweats and is so emptied constantly that you need him to fill you. If you want to get thirsty, jump in the fire where it's hot. There's a side to Jesus. There's a side in this walk with Him. Where He can, by the Holy Spirit, inject us with such hunger that any means possible that is provided to commune with Him, we will sprint to. You'll no longer take communion to simply remember Him. You'll break the elements and digest the bread and body, the blood and body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll run to them with a smile on your face and a tear running down your cheek. You run into the house of God because it's another way to find union with Jesus. You'll find fellowship with like-minded brothers and sisters, not out of obligation, but because you're hungry and you have to have Him. Lay on your face until... Until you have him, only to get up three or four hours later and say, I can't believe this side of you, Jesus. I'm amazed that after four hours of being on my face, you wanted five. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And if I spent five, he'd want six. And if we spent six, he'd want seven. It's not religion or condemnation. It's his heart for us. It's never enough. There's no place when it comes to hungering for the Lord. Well, Jesus says this, you've hungered enough. Because he seeks to be sought. Do you understand that? He seeks us so we can seek him back. He loves us so we can love him in return. He runs from us as a hiding God so that we can pursue him and find him. Why? Because he loves us. He whispers more than he yells. Why? Because he knows if we're going to hear a whisper, we need to be right against him. And then he gets what he wants, which is us. Don't you see? It's not just about us hearing him. He gets what he wants. 
That's why sometimes we don't hear his voice for weeks. The whole time he's saying, I'm enjoying this with you. I'll tell you in a little bit. If I told you right now, you'd leave. But I just can't tell you right now. It's been years, Lord. He's probably saying, I know. And I've loved this whole year. Does this make sense now? It's this constant pursuing. He's the only one who can feed you with himself when you come out going, I need you again. I need you again. Somebody asked me, how did you think to write the Jesus book? I said, I didn't think to write it. One guy said, what's the book about? I said, Jesus. He said, well, what else? I said, nothing. Another guy said, what's the Jesus book about? I said, Jesus. He goes, well, of course it's about Jesus, but what's it about? I said, no, you don't get it. It's about Jesus. Because this whole thing, sir, is about Jesus. Eternal life is not living forever. There are people in hell living forever right now. That's not eternal life. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. The Christian life is Christ. And no more complicated than knowing Him. No more complicated than knowing Him. I have friends who, uh, they have scriptures taped all over their house. And that's great. I, I, I teach the Word of God. The Word of God is key. It, it's life. It's living bread. But all they do is quote scripture. And they know chapter and verse better than the author. You see, Christ is the glue in the Bible. He's the ink on the pages. He's the substance of what we read. This whole thing is about Jesus. If it were all about chapter and verse, what did the apostles do while they were living out the book of Acts? When they had no book of Acts to quote, they walked with the person. Jesus said this, you search the scriptures to find life. Don't you see that the scriptures refer to me and I'll give you life. It's that dependency on the life of the Holy Spirit, the life of God, the person of Jesus that allures him. It gets his attention. That's the key. Would you stand to your feet, please? Could I have the young lady help me, help me on the keys? That's the key. That's the key. And he's so easy to love. He's so easy to love. Scripture tells us, Rightly do they love you. It couldn't be more right to love Jesus. There's nothing more proper. Hear this, what I'm about to tell you. There's nothing more correct than to carry first love for Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Rightly do they love you. You know, as Jesus asked Peter do you love me 
We know the Lord was cooking them breakfast on that seashore. What a humble Jesus. When I was pastoring, there was a young man in our church who put a bottle of water on our pulpit every Sunday. When I met the Lord afresh, Jesus asked me, have you ever given him a glass of water? Why does he carry your Bible? Can you carry your own? Can you open your own door? We need to be shifted to Jesus' fault changed my life when I met him again. And here's Jesus on that seashore cooking them breakfast. He says, children, have you caught anything? I can just see his hand extended giving them bread. He asked Peter, do you love me? And he's handing Peter bread with hands that had holes in them those nails Peter looking through the hands of God through the hands of God because they had been pierced for him a trying time for Peter seven others watched just close your eyes now would you Jesus asked this morning do you love me Do you really love me? You want me? Do you want me? Are you tired? If that's you, I just want you to lift your hands. Just want fresh love. You want Jesus. You want to be hungry again. Say, Lord. Make me hungry. Any way you have to. Just make me hungry. And never lose it. Make me hungry. Make us hungry, Lord. Make us hungry, Lord. Make us hungry, Lord. Make us hungry and thirsty. Your bread of life, fill us with yourself. Fill us with yourself. Fill us with yourself. Breathe into us this morning. Breathe the breath of life. Respond to our hunger. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Respond. Respond by giving us you. You and you alone. We long for you. Nothing more, nothing less. You are everything. It's in you that all things consist. Give us yourself. Give us yourself. Give us yourself. Strip our hearts. Strip our hearts, oh Lord. Strip our lives of everything but you. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, move now. Holy Spirit, move now. Move. Move, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Uh, Dave, I don't know how you want to do the prayer. I feel the move of the Holy Spirit now, so however you want me to do it. If you're hungry for the Lord, you come. Come quickly.
come quickly. If you're sick, you believe the Lord to touch you. Just make a straight line. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and touch your people. Pour out your spirit afresh. forward closely please Jesus make us hungry come closer please all the way up great freedom coming to you. See the past being destroyed with fire. See fiery chains burning behind you. And I see the Lord healing you. You'll never know pain again.
your great intercessor. That's where you are, your great intercessor. The prophetic mantle on Lord, now it's going to release a healing anointing. Fresh and filling with the Holy Spirit. separation with you, separating you from people, especially people close to you, sanctifying you and pulling you to himself. Is that the word of the Lord? In the name of Jesus, set him apart even more. Keep him so I'm around him, Lord. Let nobody close to him. It's not of you. In the name of Jesus, let the fire of the living God separate him breath of the Holy Ghost. Healing ministry. Holy Spirit. Healing ministry. It's healing ministry. Father, I thank you that all fear goes. Fear of the future, stress, fear of everyday life. It leaves in the name of Jesus. It leaves in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord. Enter into the rest of the Lord. The rest of the Lord. Come, Holy Ghost. Remove every burden. Every burden. Hold the baby, Renee. Just hold the baby. You'll never lose sleep again. Is the Lord speaking to you right now? Is this, is this the Lord? You'll never lose sleep again. You'll never know fear again. You're going to find the embrace of the Father. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Say, I'm yours. Say, I'm yours. 